Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This is the Mangina Dialogues. We at it again with your host, Nick Scopes. And the Gregolicious. You know how we do, cause you know we keeping it gangster and silly. Unplugged like a fool swung titty. Bout get jitty, cause you know we down to the nitty and the gritty. And we make shit sound so damn pretty. Yeah, cause this unhinged comedy. And right now you're in the mix. So get ready, cause we bout to get it poppin'. We ain't stopping. Uneducated, unfiltered, unhinged. This the Mangina Dialogues. Hello and welcome to the Mangina Dialogues. I am your host, Nick Scopes. And I am Greg Alprin. <laughs> Just Greg today. Yeah, I'm huh? not going with the rest. <laughs> not today. Not today. Okay. And our guest today, he knows a little bit about comedy. Just a tiny bit. Brian Volk Weiss. What's up, Brian? How are you? Uh, it's good to be here. And I, I do want to say I love that theme song. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, that's a great theme song. I did not hate it. Well, thank you. We, it's um, beautiful. It's on its legs, uh, last legs. We're, we're going to probably dump it sooner or later. But thank you for the compliment. We appreciate it coming from. Yeah, I like so, that. So I appreciate it. Love it. Love it. So, uh, you know, talking to Nick earlier about. Um, you know, talking to you, I was like, I won't even know where to start in bringing up different topics because my head is spinning just thinking about it. So I'm going to start with something that we talked a little bit about off air when you when, you, know, you produced and created the toys that made us for Netflix. Um, how, like what brought you to that project? Obviously, looking behind you, I think it's probably obvious. But it, like what yeah, I feel like he has a few he's got a few toys for those yeah. of you that are just listening. There's like two or three. That's it. Yeah, it's it's, it's a nice but, uh, with three three zeros after that, that number. <laughs> at least at least three. It's, it's extensive. I'm kidding. It's unreal. Yeah. So You're like saying shit. You should see what's on the other side of this <laughs> laptop. Really? Yeah. Jesus. Good for you, man. I started. I actually just started the series uh, today. I started watching. Um, oh boy! Oh my god! <laughs> Holy <Sorry>. crap, dude! <laughs> what the and hell? That's just half the room. <laughs> that's very funny. It's. I used to do. You know, I mentioned I, I do that stuff for a living, and I did a. I did Kiss products with Gene for a very long time, and very similar. I they sent me shots of his room where he keeps all his collectibles in his house, like every kiss every kiss thing ever made. I, I've been to his house. Okay, so you know, I, right? So but, but I will say this in my defense, there's over two thousand things in here. <laughs> One of them. And it was a, a gift my company gave me on my fortieth birthday. One of them looks like me. <laughs> One yeah, it's like can you imagine walking into your house in the room and there's a million things that look just like you laying on your shelves and co coffees and <laughs> weird weird things. So, but to that, like uh, after do, spending all these years in comedy and doing all these amazing projects and winning Grammys and you know accolade after accolade, like what brought you to that project? Was it just your a passion and love of of it, that? You're gonna love my answer because it, it's a perfect morph uh, into comedy. Um, it started at a Borders Books where I couldn't find uh, any books about the history of Transformers. Um, there was like a thousand books about the War of 1812 right. uh, and not a single book about Transformers, G.I. Joe, 
like the only books they had about toys was Star Wars and Barbie, but those books that they had really weren't even about the toys. They were about the quote unquote cultural phenomenon. Right. So even if you like where, like why does Barbie exist? Those books couldn't even really answer it. It would just talk about cultural phenomena. So that was the inspiration. It took seven years uh, between that moment and being told Netflix was buying it. Um, And there were two extremely lucky breaks that happened. Um, There was an executive at Netflix and he covered stand-up comedy acquisitions. (laughs) These were specials that I had already sold to Showtime or Comedy Central that were coming off their first window and he would buy those. So a very kind of obscure job um, as it relates to comedy. He and I became very good friends and he came to my house with his family and he saw my toy collection. And the reason why that's very important is uh, producers, just like actors, get stereotyped. Right. So I was always stereotyped as the comedy producer. So whenever I would try and sell a show about toys, people would be like, why is the comedy guy talking about toys? Right. It was, it was, I mean, I, I know that's funny, but it's, it was real. I mean, yeah, it was a real was, problem. I'm sure. That was 70% of a decade uh, delaying the show getting greenlit. So that was the first thing that happened. The guy saw my toys. The second thing that happened was Netflix decided they wanted to go into unscripted originals and they picked that guy to start that program. So all of a sudden, this guy who had this kind of niche job buying second or third or sometimes even fourth run stand-up comedy was now given like a trillion dollar budget (laughs) to launch unscripted. So... I started, you know, hey, uh, <laughs> I got a show about toys. Right. And I basically sent him what we we had come very close to selling it to History Channel. And then a year or two later, very close to selling it to Nat Geo. So I took both of those decks, sent it to him. And it took him about six months. Uh, but then he finally told me what type of show about toys he would buy right and then we made a new deck we made a sales tape and that's what got the show greenlit well so i mean obviously this is a a massive passion of yours this isn't just a a idea that you had oh this would be a good idea for a show you you're living that passion of why people watch that show uh other than my family it's like the only thing I'm really into, except reading. <laughs> right. I, I have no other hobbies. So what was your, fir- like, as a child, like, what was the first, you know, property that captured your 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 brain? Star Wars. Okay. So is that, that why it was the first one? The, or did you just yeah. pick, yeah. So, <laughs> so. Every, I, like, I, I would be a, a lawyer or a doctor, not a doctor. I'd be a lawyer or, like, a, de- a dentist in New York. If it wasn't for Star Wars, right? Like because of the like, so everything I've done, it started somehow as it relates to my career. 
started with Star Wars. I, I'm in entertainment because of Star Wars. So what do you think of the recent Star Wars films? Uh, one of them's an A+. Plus. Uh, one of them is like a, a B. And if there was anything lower than an F, <laughs> uh, one of them would be that. And you, yeah, I guess we're not going to know which those are. <laughs> no, it's Last Jedi. That's that's the below F. Okay. okay. Really, it was that bad. You thought? I here's. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. This is the best way I can explain it to you. Uh, about a year ago, my toy collection was in a smaller room, and literally one piece at a time, I moved over at the time 1500 individual pieces from one side of the house to another oh my god some of these toys like go back to me being three years old wow eight toys out of 1500 didn't make it from a to b they went into the garage of the eight seven of them were duplicates, like different versions. Right. Not the same thing twice, but yeah. different versions of the characters from The Force Awakens. So I saw The Force Awakens. I loved everything about it. I saw it three times in the theaters. Wow. And I bought every Ray they made. I bought every Finn they made, every Poe they made. Then The Last Jedi comes out. And it was so bad. That's why I'm saying it's less than an F. It was so bad that when I moved my collection, I didn't want more than one Ray. I didn't want more than one Finn. Because I didn't, it destroyed those characters somehow. And as a counterpoint, Star Trek V is considered to be the worst Star Trek movie. It didn't destroy Captain Kirk. Right. It didn't destroy, like, Last Jedi almost destroyed Luke Skywalker. <laughs> like, it was, like, it was just so bad. Yeah. So, wow. what, what, do you, what about the, the standalone films? Uh, Rogue One's an A+, plus, Solo's an A. Okay. And I will I... say this, anyone who doesn't like Solo, they were just still fucked up. From a last, last the last Jedi, last Jedi. <laughs> that they they just they need to see it again. Like that's 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 yeah, yeah. I was late to the Star Wars game. The first I never watched them my whole life until 2016. I saw Rogue One, and then I yeah I know you're looking at me like what the hell. Even I had a I'm, no, a, I'm, I'm not, a person I'm not looking at you at like what the hell. I'm looking at you like. I'm trying to imagine what it would be like to enter Star Wars through Rogue One. Yeah. I was, like that, was... In, in many ways, that's actually the perfect way to do it. That's what my buddy, so I was traveling, I was on a flight back from California to Connecticut, and I was traveling with my buddy who was a massive Star Wars fan. And Rogue One was on both the, the flights. We had to connect in Dallas. And the first flight, it didn't finish the movie. And I was like, damn it. And then it started on the next flight. <laughs> and finally, I got to watch it. But I was so into it after that. I asked him a million questions. And he was like, this is probably the best movie you could have started with. And now you got to go back yeah. and go see all the older ones. Like I told, I'm a, I'm a personal trainer. That's my day job. And I told one of my clients this. Like, yeah, I just saw Star Wars first time. I saw Rogue One. 
and he this is like a 55 year old man he literally stopped what he was doing he put the bar down he goes what did you just say and i was like that was the that was the first one I've, I've ever seen. And he was like, what are you doing the rest of today? You need to go home. You need to watch me. Like this was a dude who was like a higher up. Like he was like a, a higher up at GE capital here in Connecticut, like very established guy who was like, what, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I don't know, man, I've never seen that. That, that would be me, but don't feel bad. I just went through this myself with Pokemon um i i mean literally knew 0.0 about pokemon nothing like i didn't know what it was like nothing i knew there was like still don't bro i still bunny rabbit or something like (laughs) i and a a ball a red and white that's it and then i saw the movie with my kids and i'm like oh this is what it's like for all the people that don't know star wars or star trek this is how they feel yeah, exactly. Star Trek, I've never, I've, I've watched some of the newer movies, but I've, I've never got into it. But Star Wars, I went back and watched everything, like literally watched everything. It was, I was hooked after Rogue One. <laughs> so is that your other one? Is Star Wars? Star Wars? I mean, Star Trek? Yeah, it's yeah. Those, those two. Like what I always say is Star Wars inspired my career. Star Trek, and I know this is crazy, but Star Trek gave me a code to live by. Right. Um, and that, like, I didn't go to business school. I, I'm not religious. I didn't, I wasn't in the military. So the, the best thing, the closest thing that I have to a, a code all came from Star Trek. Wow. Well, and I know it's, it's fake. Let right. me get there before you do. <laughs> no, I know I, it's fake. No, no, I'm not going to rip you, dude. I, that's where people get, I mean, I, I, you know, to cut back into the toys thing, I was just watching the the thing your thing on netflix right the toys that made us and we're watching the ninja turtles right that was my life as a kid man are you like there's nothing wrong with it i know they're obviously not real but like me and my 32 year old friends still talk about it and they still have act you know what i mean like it just because it wasn't real doesn't mean it didn't make such a huge impact you know what i mean i'm biased but i tend to agree right (laughs) so how did you go from I mean, you say that Star Wars is where you, you know what you drove you to entertainment, but like, how do you, what transitions that world into comedy? Because they're so different worlds. So, it, I mean, it was the most random of everything. I came out here because I wanted to direct. Uh, I wanted to do science fiction and action. I never watched comedy. I shit you not. The only comedy I saw in college, The Waterboy. <laughs> I did not see like. My wife, when I forced her to watch Star Wars and Star Trek, would force me to watch all the comedies I hadn't watched right. that everybody else did. I wasn't a comedy off. at right. all. Not just stand-up comedy. Like, no comedy. Wow. So um, I had been out here a little bit less than a year. I'd been out here about nine months. Um I decided that I didn't want to be a director and I decided that I needed to like get more into the business of the business. And I was interning for a while at this small company. Uh, and I was not only out of money, like I had maxed out every credit card. Like I, I, I was broke, like didn't know how I was going to pay rent, like broke. And In the building on the floor that I was in, there was a communal copier 
copy room. And there was an assistant to a manager. And one day, and we had become friends. And one day he told me he was looking to replace himself because he had gotten another job. And I had been working for free. Right. And I was like, does that job pay like dollars? And he was like, <laughs> yes. And he was like, I was like, I would like to meet and see if I could get that job. <laughs> so I go in for the job. I don't know anything. All I know and all I care about, this really shows you the randomness of life. All I knew was I didn't know how I would make rent and he was paying money. He could have been an avocado salesman. <laughs> I mean, he, he could have made mufflers. Right. Turned out he was a manager of comedians. I didn't know what a manager was. I knew what an agent, I didn't know anything, but I got the job and that was Barry Katz. Yep. So I get the job and that I got the job. I started on a Monday. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know, like he represented Jay Moore. That was the only person I knew. I didn't know a single other comedian. And I only knew Jay Moore because of uh, Jerry Maguire. Right. And to be honest with you, I had no clue Jay Moore was a stand-up comic. Right. I just thought he was an actor. Right. That shows you, I, I didn't know anything. That Saturday, just for shits and giggles, because I didn't think I would keep this job that long. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. He'll come back. Oh, okay. Um, so I went to the Laugh Factory just to see, like, you know, what was going on. Like, I didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm working at this company. I might as well see what's going on. There's a 7 o'clock show. I got a pass to the 7 o'clock show. I watched the 7 o'clock show. I loved it. I asked the owner, the bouncer, whatever, can I stay for the next show? And he was like, sure, you work for Barry. Finished the second show. So now I've been there eight hours. Wow. Jesus I'm like, Christ. can I stay for the third show? <laughs> and he was like, you got the bug, don't you? I'm like, I think I do. <laughs> uh, and that's how it all started. I, I literally watched uh, three shows which was probably back then somewhere between 24 and 30 comedians. And that was it. And that night I met Jeff Ross, Dane Cook, Harlan Williams, like everybody who had become a massively important part of the rest of my life, or at right. least the first part of my career. I met them all that night. And the best part of the story is cause I'm always taking notes. I'm always writing things down. Um, I wrote down all my favorite comics. And then Monday morning, I was talking to Barry and Barry was like, who do you like? And I'm like, well, funny you should ask. I actually wrote it down. <laughs> Have a list. Of the 20 people I wrote down, Barry repped like 14 or 15 of them. Wow. <laughs> my favorite was Dane Cook. Yeah. And then Barry was like, oh yeah, I rep him. <laughs> and then just to again, show you the merging of worlds and again how absolutely random show business is and maybe all business in life one day barry calls me i started working for barry in march of 99 in may of 99 
I get a call from Barry and Barry goes, and again, just to, cause I think you're a little younger than me, or at least you are. <laughs> I had my that's first right. cell phone ever. Like that's how long ago this was. Like I'd had a cell phone for about three months at this point. Barry calls me and this is not an exaggeration whatsoever. Barry goes, are you doing that thing where like people are like camping out to get tickets to that new movie? And I'm like, are, are you talking about Star Wars? <laughs> and he's like, yes, yes, Star Wars. Are you camping out for Star Wars? Are you doing that thing I've seen on the news for the rope line or whatever, like with tents? And I go, well, I'm not staying in a tent, but yes, I am a part of a, 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 a it was called a, a line team. And he goes, would you do me a favor and get one of my clients a ticket? And I don't know if you guys know this or not. That was a major no-no because you had to wait in line. This was the first Star Wars movie in 20 years. Yeah. <laughs> but Barry was my boss. I want to impress my boss. Yeah. I get him the extra ticket. Actually, two tickets. I got him two tickets. Both of those tickets went to Dane. That's how I found out Dane was a Star Wars fan. And I am 99.99999% sure if Dane had not been a Star Wars fan or I had not been a Star Wars fan, I would have had a completely different career. Wow. Because through Star Wars, Dane and I bonded in 99. So by the time I actually finally became a manager and then about two years later, Dane blew up. Like I was managing Dane. Wow. But like, I wasn't managing any of Barry's other clients. The only client of Barry's I was managing, co-managing with Barry, was Dane. Wow. And all I can point to is, without Star Wars, that relationship would not have been there. Yeah, I mean, for I mean, it certainly sounds like it, and, or that movie not coming out, but that that's pretty wild. So, so now you're managing Dane. What? How long do you work with Barry, and where do you go from there? Well, while I was working with Barry and Dane, uh, at first as a manager for my clients, I was making stand-up specials. And, you know, when you're making stand-up specials for your clients between zero and maybe, at least for us back then, twice a year, we would produce a stand-up special for our clients. Right. So this is going on for a while. Then one day I get a call. Do you know the name Mike Berkowitz? No, I do not know. Mike is one of the biggest, most successful touring agents in history. Uh, just off the top of my head, uh, his clients like right now are Kevin Hart, Aziz Ansari, Amy oh, Schumer, Mulaney, Verbiglia, um, Bill Burr. But like he used to have Louis C.K. I mean, you name it. He's, he's the most successful touring agent in history. He calls me up one. He's also, I'm allowed to curse, right? Bring it. Oh, yeah. Rip it. He, he's also a, a tough motherfucker. <laughs> or as they said in Pulp Fiction, I believe a hard pipe hitting motherfucker. motherfucker. <laughs> so he calls me up one day. And the reason I mention that is for this reason. He calls me up one day. He's like, 
hey man, would you ever do a special for a non-client? And I got really offended. I was like really angry. And this was not a guy you got angry at. And I'm like, well, you know, Mike, I got to tell you, man, I take, uh, I take offense to your question. Like I'm a manager. Like why would your clients be good enough for me to produce for, but I'm not good enough to manage for? Nah, man, not cool. And I don't know if I hung up on him, but it was close. Right. And the next day, I'm in the shower, I'm driving to work, I don't remember, but it suddenly dawns on me, my job is to make money. <laughs> and as long as it's legal, who cares? Right. It just dawned on you. <laughs> it really did. It took about 12 hours. But again, I'll be very honest with you. I, I hear over the last couple of years, and it kind of drives me crazy about how smart I am, or I'm a genius, I saw the future. So I really go out of my way to show people the stories to illustrate that I did not see the future. I'm not a genius. I, like So much shit was random. If Mike hadn't called me to the point you made a minute ago, had that Star Wars movie not come out in 99, if it had come out in 97 or 2002, I may have had a completely different career. So anyway, I digress. So I could, he, he luckily, he accepted my apology, which is still shocking to me. Because um, A, he doesn't really accept apologies. And B, I was completely wrong and a dick. But anyway, um, and we produced Michael Ian Black's special. And it was the first time I had ever produced anything for a non-client. Right. And I will tell you this. I love being a manager. I miss it. I mean, no, that's, that's not true. I don't miss it. There's parts of it I miss, but <laughs> it was a wonderful feeling producing for Michael Ian Black and not managing him. Right. And I'm like, I like this. The mm. sec- so that was the first thing. The second thing that happened was I read a book called The Long Tail which came out in 2007. And a lot of people, when I tell this story, are like, oh my God, I'm going to get the book. Don't get the book. It'll be the most boring fucking book you've ever read (laughs) because it's 2020. But in 2006, I actually read the book in 2006. um, The book predicted everything. It predicted YouTube, Netflix, streaming, everything. It didn't name the names because nobody knew the names. Right. But it predicted something called unlimited shelf space. And what that meant was, like, if you go into Target, they only have a certain amount of shelf space. So they have to sell Britney Spears. They have to sell Justin Timberlake to make the most of every square foot. But if everything would go digital, that variable would be removed. So that's when I was like, all right, I got to build a library. And I'm already making stand-up specials. Why don't I build a library of stand-up specials? And that's what I did. So we went from doing one or two a year to doing three a year, five a year, 10 a year, 20 a year, 30 a year, until we had a library. And then once we had the library, we were able to build the distribution arm. Right. So you, but you didn't do that all under, while you were with Barry, then you went out 
on your own. I the the starting of the the starting of the process was definitely with Barry. Right. At a certain point, Barry left the company, uh, and it continued after he was gone. Right. Oh, right, right, right. And so you stayed, and then got it. So, what what do you attribute having such a good eye for comedic talent to? Right. If you don't want, I mean, obviously everyone, you know, genius is genius that, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good to, to your point earlier. But obviously you recognize the best talent in the world. Yeah. And, and again, I'm going to answer your question and you you may think I'm being humble. Uh, I'm not. This is really the answer. This is the truthful answer to your question. It's not that I have an eye for talent that's better than anyone else's. The truth of the matter is this. Because I was a manager, I knew what it was like to be a manager. Right. And because I was a manager, all of my best friends were agents. So I understood agents and managers. So what I learned from that was there's a group of agents at a certain level, it's less than 20. Right. There's a group of managers at a certain level. It's about 10. If those 20 agents and those 10 managers are jointly sharing a client, who am I to disagree with their thought process behind signing that client. Right. Because as a former manager, and because all my friends were agents, I know that the most valuable commodity an agent or a manager has is time. So if this group of agents and managers at the tippy top of their careers and the tippy top of their professions are saying, I am gonna sign this comedian, and then, Someone on the other side agrees. The odds of that person being, and just so you also understand, it's not just an issue of talent. It's an issue of talent as being perceived by the population at a specific moment in time. So Ali Wong, if we had done her special five years earlier, or five years later, I don't know if she would have blown up the way she did. Right. And that's true for every comedian. Tom Segura, everyone we did, that no one knew who they were when we did it. And then now they're making, they're selling 10,000 tickets a night. They, it, it's, success is so delicate as a comedian. And arguably potentially random that you you just have to make a move and hope you're right. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is sometimes you are, sometimes you're not. Right. But that's that's how I negated trusting my own eye. And the other thing I'll also say about eyes, it's a very egotistical position to take. And I always thought that. So when I was in a position to start greenlighting my own specials, 
unlike a lot of other people who have tried to replicate before and after what we've done, a major mistake that they did was they thought their eye was like Jesus. Yeah. And nobody has that. Nobody except Jesus. Jesus has <laughs> his, his own eyes. His own. <laughs> He's got but, his eyes. But you know what he, I'm saying? Is he back on your like, shelf there? <laughs> that might be the only thing not on my shelf. <laughs> um, but but it, it was just about not when you're a manager, if you're a good manager, you need to strip ego out of your life. It's right. all about your clients. Yeah. And when I became somebody who was greenlighting things, I kept that mentality. Right. So, do you, I mean, this might be the world's dumbest question, but do you love comedy? Yes. Okay. I learned to love it. Right. I was born to love Star Wars. I was born to love Star Trek. I learned to love comedy. I, I have a whole comedy shelf. I have two comedy shelves, too. Right. So, do you... I mean, do you still go to clubs to see the te- like people performing? They're just random night at the comedy store, or Laugh Factory, no. or whatever. At all, like no. totally not oh. your thing. Fuck oh, no! <laughs> but I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. There's two. Here's two answers, so I don't sound like a complete asshole. Number one, I'm there all the time anyway. Right. So why would I go on my Saturday night with my wife when I was there Tuesday and Thursday? Well, what were you there right. Tuesday and Thursday for? Seeing somebody specifically for a specific reason. Got it. Okay, that, so, that's more I was asking, right? Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, but I guarantee you this: at some point when I retire, I'll probably go every weekend. Right. Okay. Like maybe not every weekend, but I'll probably go at least twice a month to right. go see live stand up. You retire the rest of my life. You retiring anytime soon? I'd say. Minimum 15 years. Okay, good. Because <laughs> so you got a little bit. Make, we got a little bit left. Just making sure. So, you know, what? one of the other things, I mean, I've been a stand-up comedy fan my entire life, and I actually am older than you. Um, and it goes back. There's so many different touch points for me on, on, on why. But it seems like the last, I, I want to, I'm trying to pinpoint when, but I'd say the last three years, maybe four years, but certainly within the last three, and I, I hate to use the word renaissance, but there seems to be something that has happened in the last few years with stand-up comedy kind of taking over a lot of different things. Like, do you just attribute that to timing or that the abundance of amazing stand-up comedians are out there just, and you guys are putting stuff out, you know, all the time, keeping it fresh? Like, is there any explanation whatsoever or is it just potluck? Uh not to be argumentative, but and tell me after I explain myself if you agree with me or not. Sure. It is not a renaissance. It is the antithesis of a renaissance. Um, this is what I think happened. Shoot. I'll start with a conclusion and then I'll back up the facts that lead to my conclusion, which could be wrong. It's just my opinion. I'm going to back um, on you being right. Stand-up comedy for the last 50 years or more was a part of the comedy genre. So people would say comedy, they would think Seinfeld. Right. They would think Waterboy. They would think Fish Called Wanda. Like I told you, when I saw Jerry Maguire, it didn't even occur to me that Jay Moore was a stand-up. And I would argue most people 
were like me. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So what I always say is when I was in high school, if my cafeteria could hold a thousand students, maybe, and I wasn't one of them, but maybe two at lunch, we're talking about stand-up because a new Carlin special had come out. Right. So that's my conclusion. Stand-up was pulled out of comedy and given its own genre. By the way, very similar to how horror was pulled out of drama. Like horror used to be a part of drama. Yeah. So like The Exorcist, it was it's a drama. But then after The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, and a b- couple others, every year, yeah. somebody was like, you know, I think this might be its own thing. <laughs> and then, of course, Halloween, yep. Nightmare yeah. Before Elm Street. That's horror became its own thing. We And you're absolutely right when you say three years. It happened about three years ago. Stand-up became its own genre. Right. The reason that that happened, I think, is... A bunch of things all happen at the same time. One, social media. Two, streaming. Three, and I know you're going to say, but that's streaming. You're being redundant. Netflix. Right. And I'll explain to you why I don't think it's redundant. So streaming in general made it so that you wouldn't have to watch Comedy Central at 10 p.m. to see the new Sarah Silverman special. Right. If you weren't home at 10 p.m. on a Saturday, you You didn't get to see Sarah Silverman in 1996. Streaming made it so you could see it anytime you want. But here's what social media did. Part of the problem with stand-up comedy is it's about an hour. It's called an hour special for a reason. So if you say to somebody like me who likes spaceships and lasers, hey, here's a comedian you've never heard of in your life. Give him an hour on Sunday. What are you talking about? I don't even know who that is. I'm going to watch Night Ride. (laughs) But here's what social media did. Social media took that hour cut it into four minute sections. And then on top of that, instead of Comedy Central saying to me, coming up next, comedian you've never heard of, now Gabe Levine, my best friend since 1986, posts a four minute clip of Eliza Schlesinger. I never heard of her, but it's just four minutes. Why not? I hit play, I laugh. She's funny. Let me watch some more clips. Right. Then I read, she's coming to my town. I can go see Eliza Schlesinger live for 20 bucks. And all of a sudden, I'm hooked. Right. Now I love stand-up. Now I do stand-up as a thing. Now I have a shitty day at work. Let me watch some stand-up. That could cheer me up. Yeah. So that was all new. And then the third thing, like I said, Netflix. Netflix, one of the things that is not talked about very often, and I don't know why, I've actually never heard anyone else discuss this but me, 
Ted Sarandos is a massive stand-up comedy fan. The way I grew up with Star Wars, he grew up with stand-up. He loved stand-up. Right. So when he became in charge of Netflix and was given an unlimited bank account, he was like, well, what do I like? Stand-up comedy. <laughs> so Netflix, instead of making 12 to 24 specials a year, like Showtime or Comedy Central were with HBO in the middle making five or six. Netflix was like, well, we should do at least 52. <laughs> that way we could have one a week. Right. Then they started making 104, yep. et cetera, et cetera. And then also Netflix, unlike Comedy Central or Showtime or HBO or whatever, Netflix had permeated the population deeper than anything that had come before it. So it was like if Ted Sarandos had done the same thing at True TV, right. it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. But so those things coming together is what's led to, instead of renaissance, if I can be cheesy, sure. led to a new dawn. New dawn. How cheesy ah. is that? <laughs> Very cheesy. Very Thank cheesy. You. But it was great. It's perfect. I enjoyed it's it. Perfect. And, you know, I, I totally, I do. I, I see your point and I agree with you I just you know look at it from my you know earliest memories that, and then there's just the, there was a void there was just multi, you know many years of just a void and I don't that could be my fault but I just oh, but that's that's how I felt too man I mean I remember like the Kings of Comedy coming out and I remember watching that it was that was 2000 I believe that came out and that was like for me I was 12 at the time so it was like the first stand-up I've ever seen in my entire life I was I saw that, and then a few years later, Dane Cook blew up. Remember that? And then there was like, a, like he said, kind of like a lull, and then all of a sudden, it's like Joe Rogan, Tom Segura, all these guys have these massive podcasts and create these massive communities, and you know, Fighter and the Kid, and they go sell out everywhere they go. You know, it, again, maybe it's my fault, but I, I agree with you, Greg. It's the same. It feels like the same thing, but. Anyway, we thank you for <laughs> giving us tons and tons of content. It's uh, I thank you for watching it. What um, has there been anything that's escaped you that you've wanted to produce or put out that has been not? There There's only for you? one special I fucked up on. Now let me explain what I mean by that. There are specials I passed on that became successful, but I passed for the right reasons, and I have no anger at myself for passing right the only one i fucked up on was joe coy hmm. i could have had joe coy special i think four years ago and for a variety of miscalculations i passed on it and i'm very sad that i missed it that that's the only one where i'm mad at myself right. for passing on a special that i didn't do and i wasn't offered but I wish I had done is, um, oh, God. Can you guys edit this? Sure. Oh. I'm so excited about it. <laughs> I'm uh, getting his name. Um, just having a brain fart. Um, Locked it out of your memory. Um, it's all right. The force is strong with you. I could feel it. <laughs> you got this. Totally, uh, Seventh. Ronnie Chang. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. This his special that came out in December, one of my favorite specials of all time. Yeah. I watched that with my buddy. That was unreal. And I never really heard of him before. But again, that's the beauty of this like streaming stuff. We're like, oh, it's Friday night. We're hanging out. I've never seen this guy before. Let's try it. Boom. I was like, this guy's fucking hilarious. Yeah. I mean, that's how <laughs> like, I found, I mean, so many people I, I've just, you know, I travel a lot or were tra- was traveling a lot for, for work. East Coast, West Coast, and I would just watch, you know, load up on on stand up specials or all the different things on Netflix, and just watch them on the East to West flights and see people that I never knew or that I just never would I wasn't that familiar with, and you know, it's it, it is I think it's largely due to the streaming situation, and now it's it's just <laughs> it's all there is to do, you know, the media has so incredibly changed the last few years on where people are getting their content and how that, um, you know, it's, it's for one, I imagine it's an extremely tough job for you now at that, at this point to, to pick the right stuff because there is so much stuff out there that is competing for eyeballs in yeah. every single different place, whether it's a an artist, an artist have put it out themselves. Like, you know, the, the pod, again, the podcast community, it's different. Like back in the day, all these comedians always talk about this. There was like, you know, a couple late night spots, and then like that would lead to maybe a TV deal and like that would, but like this, you just put something on YouTube. Or, like you said, you find a clip of someone you're like, Oh, this person's great. And then it leads you down a rabbit hole of kind of finding their stuff. It's very different now. Exactly. Yeah. So what's, um, what's up next for you guys? I mean, besides just putting out the greatest comedy specials of the year, <laughs> buying more toys, possibly <laughs> yeah, buying more toys, <laughs> yeah, buying another room, I should say. <laughs> It's already occurred today, by the way. Um, <laughs> well, well, we uh, we just play? shot four specials, believe it or not, uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, we shot it at the Rose Bowl yep. uh, parking lot. Yep. Um, so those were fantastic. Absolutely four for four, A+. Plus. Um, I'll be honest with you, we have a lot of specials that were supposed to shoot in March and April and May that got rescheduled. Uh, I am starting to feel pretty good they ain't going to shoot this year. Uh, rumor has it <laughs> almost August. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we've been acquiring specials voraciously. I mean, right. in the hundred days of COVID so far, approximately, I mean, we've acquired probably about 25 specials, originals that right. had never aired anywhere. So like Jay's um, that he shot himself that brought, brought to you and you stuff like that. Yeah. That. Yeah. Which by the way, that, that, that special is fantastic. That his, Which one? Jay's Jay Moore. Oh, I'm glad you like it. I love it. Yeah, it, it yeah, really, no, it was really good. I love Jay. Top to bottom, that thing is fantastic. Um, yeah, so how'd it go at the, at the Rose Bowl? Because we had Erica Rhodes on a few, like a month ago, and she was she was one of your Pasadena Rose Bowl specials, right? It is the biggest, most complicated show we have ever produced. Right. And nothing went wrong. That's Nothing. Amazing. Zero, wow. nothing. Not one thing went wrong. And what are the, are those? Do those have homes yet, or are they going to be on your your guys' stuff? We have an offer. I don't know if we're going to take it or not, but we do have an offer. Right. So when do you think they'll they'll come out next year? Yeah, definitely next year. We got to edit all four. Then I got to shop them to the buyers. Then I got to see what kind of offers we get or don't get, and then make a decision. Right. I'm going to put my offer in now for. Um, <laughs> I will send you smoked spare ribs or any type of meat of your choice. 
and four classic Ninja Turtles cereal bowls from the 1970s. <laughs> well, you just did me a huge favor because I can now legally tell every buyer we have two offers. <laughs> <laughs> so Leverage, baby. I'll, I'll put it Leverage. in writing. It's, it's official. I mean, I'd like to be considered. as a. Do as me a an producer. email. Notarize it. I will. No problem. <laughs> in blood. Anyway, man, we really, I mean, this has been a thrill for us, obviously, taking yeah. you. Take Me time too. To talk Thank to you. Us. This was great. Um, Thank you. you know, we're really huge fans of yours, obviously, and what you guys are doing, and just very excited for the future of what Comedy Dynamics is is doing and putting out. And it's it's really awesome for us comedy fans. Uh, you're very kind, and uh, you know the one thing I always like to mention is, and it's kind of no shit, but I still like to say it. Uh, I'm like one dude with like dozens of people that allowed a company to do what we do. Yeah. So. Uh, just I always like to point that out right? yeah, to say this is a, a team sport would be quite the understatement right yeah of course of course I'm the, sure the, the man. entire I'm sure. the entire team and community over there um, and the 3,000 figurines behind you <laughs> I'm not there yet I'm not there yet <laughs> well when I get you're done, close bro I you are close sending, sending you some boxes of stuff you might be way closer than you think ha! Um, all right, man. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. We'll, we'll Brian, this is great, man. Thanks a Thank lot. Thank you. Take care. All right. Bye. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank I appreciate you. it. It was fun. Thanks.